Hello, and welcome to another episode of Otaku in Training. I am your host, LB. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, CT. Good evening. And this month, we only have one trainee, because the other trainee used her brain and decided to bow out of this episode early on, and so we have Bran with us. Hi. Yes, I am the one that did not use my brain. I, I am responsible for all of this. You, you used your brain. Yeah, well, yes, I guess I did, unfortunately. So, alright, the topic of this episode is the anime adaptation of the video game Senran Kagura. So, with that in mind, we're just going to jump right into things. Uh, before we start talking about the series and what story there is, I want to go ahead, I want to turn our attention over to Bran, because Bran is the one who suggested this series to us, so Bran is the reason why we are talking about it tonight, so I need to know, did this series live up to any or all of your expectations or wildest dreams? Uh, hmm. I tried to go in with low expectations i think so in that regard i think it did all right um <laughs> it, it was a. Uh, I had a little bit of trouble watching it undistracted um mm. it is kind of hard to keep focused while watching this show <laughs> um but yeah I, I think uh i didn't know what to expect going into it so i uh, I don't think it was a letdown. That's for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> well, you had the video game connection of some yeah. sort going in, but was it having played things, or was it having no. played the uh, the the food <laughs> version no, of it, uh, or what 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 uh, transpired here? Uh, I used to write for a uh, game site. Um, I did news stuff occasionally, uh, editorial stuff more often, but I still did some news stuff. And uh, I did a couple of brief articles about one of the Senren games coming out at some point. Um, and I was like, so it was one of those things where I was like scrolling through a list of anime and I was like, oh, I vaguely remember something about that. So uh, yeah, let's do that. And uh, I actually went back and looked to see when I wrote that article. And it was like, six years ago or something like it was a long time ago so I, I completely forgot about it it was just like an echo in my mind and i was like i recognize the name let's go with that one so it, it wasn't a review from having played the game it was no. more of a preview or just announcing news about or uh yeah it was not even like a fancy uh news article this was one of those like Bam, they sent out a press release and ah. yeah. <laughs> it was it was minorly rewrite this. Basically, yeah, that's that's the kind of news that was. We took pride in, you know, adding maybe a little bit of color and humor to that. But yeah, that's basically what that kind of thing amounted to. Do you remember which it was? Was it one of the mainline ones or one of the uh splinter games like uh <laughs> the first person water gun shooter 
Uh, so I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was like a crossover with, um, God, what's the, the Neptunia f- food wars or something. Oh, wow. Well. Uh, I, I can't remember. Um, there was, there was definitely food. There was a beach, I think. Um, but that's about all I remember about it. <laughs> yeah. Bon, bon Appetit was their, maybe that was their food music kind of game but i don't remember it being a crossover they have done the occasional crossover to my knowledge for like uh what is it the 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 shooter one that i mentioned peach beach splash i know had a bunch of crossover characters like neptunia and ikitosin but uh yeah So no no knowledge of the game, but probably surface level knowledge from the cover art. Yeah. <laughs> and the one paragraph description of what went on. I, I will I will say that is uh, I did not know much going into this, but I did I did watch like Funimation had just like a clip and it was like a two minute clip. And I was like, I'm gonna watch that clip and the, that'll give me an idea of what this is before i go you know what let's watch this and i it was like literally the opening scene of the show right and i think that basically tells you what the show is <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the whole thing right there in that like two minute clip i feel like the begin the very beginning of it might let you actually think it would be a bit more you know actiony and ninja then it ends up being very shonen-y. I guess that's true. I, I think I did probably have a little bit more of a that kind of impression of it than... I mean, to to an extent, it does get more uh, school slice of life, oddly enough, mm. <laughs> than, than I was really expecting. And I just, yeah, I guess it was a little bit different in that regard. Well, they need downtime to shower and bathe and go to the and beach eat, uh, and to eat, eat maki rolls. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and talk every about being episode. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or get the fire going. That too. Mm. 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 Oh, man. <laughs> Only that one episode, but they didn't have Maki available because Hanzo wasn't there. So, uh, yeah. yeah. There, therefore, they couldn't have a Futamaki chef yes. deliver them uncut, pure sushi rolls that they only ever eat the first fifth, yeah. maybe, of. <laughs> so, yeah. Per- perhaps we should loop around to the beginning and, uh, yes. and describe what. What is this show? What is it? Who wants the honors of describing this one? I mean, I'll I'll take a go at it. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let me hear your rendition of, with reasonable amount of detail, what is the overall story to this series? All right. So, this show is about booby ninjas uh-huh. to be fair and i'd like to have it noted that i was very tempted to name this episode booby ninjas <laughs> and then i decided not to 
Now, now it... hold on. That could be. Are these boobies that are themselves ninjas, or are they ninjas with boobies? They are ninjas with boobies, okay. um, as opposed to the evil ninjas, who by and large do not have boobies. Um, <laughs> which I knew it was a pretty stark too. It's like, like on the scale of like how relatable they're supposed to be to like the the protagonist shinobi like the more you're supposed to relate to them the more boob they have it's like it doesn't even kid around i um, i feel like three-fifths of the bad ninjas still had an awful lot of booby going on here oh sure i i just mean in comparison like in, co in comparison three fifths double uh, h plus as opposed to uh five fifths <laughs> right uh but it, so the in the basis the basic idea is that there are these girls that go to a school but really they're going to a shinobi school that's hidden in the school uh and they are mm, training to be ninjas basically and they are sort of getting attacked by uh evil ninjas from an evil school in the mountains or something um it's a little bit unclear as to why for a while. And then it, they reveal that there's something going on with some mystical stuff and some ninja scrolls. Um, ninja scroll. We yeah, should watch it, that. Yeah. But it doesn't really focus too much on that. Um, it is mostly just focused on uh, these girls training to be ninjas and uh, the really ridiculous ways they train and the, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure how to describe it, um, lewd uh, activities they get up to in between, um, lots of showering scenes uh, where they reassure each other, um, things like that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, woof. That's Excuse me, I, I believe we need to clarify. Is there a character who constantly gropes the main character? Yes. Okay. Because they're, <laughs> And we're safe. Because, we're, and this is important to understand. It is because they are family. Not ah. like blood family, but the idea that they are family is a very important part of how close-knit this group is. And so, like you would any family member, when things are down, you grope your sister, I guess. Sure. This is <laughs> and, how I greet my brother all the time. Yes. You, you family groping. Their boobs. Um, yeah, like in the first, like I said, like the first two minutes, it's like a rooftop battle thing that's going on. And you see up people's skirts like five times you're constantly lo like looking down cleavage or like there's points where everything's in shadow except for the cleavage and the eyes um <laughs> smoke bombs come flying out from under people's skirts uh it's a special uh, shinobi technique apparently to shove mm. the thing that you are trying to protect down your shirt uh but there may be a decoy or something so i, I don't know it's very it's weird but probably some kind of cleavage portal uh sure. shinobi 
skill going on here. Uh, what Shinobi uh, Kenkai or whatever, right? There's a little, uh, little zone in there. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Maybe that's why all of the ninja, all of them are women, except for the old guys. You got to have a token teacher of some sort who can, and an old guy who can perv on them on occasion. Yeah, I mean. Very important. You have to, for an anime like this, you absolutely have to have the old pervy guy. And, you know, I think they managed to go the entire, I don't know, 12 episodes or whatever, and his nose never bled, which is weird. (laughs) Yeah. because I feel I feel a little bit let down. Like there's a commitment there. Well, Hanzo is the grandfather of our main yeah. ninjas, uh, the one to whom, obviously, uh, uh, all of the uh, everyone's hopes and dreams must be attached. She has some kind of unfulfilled yes. destiny to go, and the school is named after him, so Good. he can't be fully pervy he's gotta he's gotta hold back a little bit except that he supplies the uh futamaki constantly and like like, literally sits there and watches them eat it (laughs) well you have to otherwise how would you know if you prepared it properly right of course it's a chef thing uh so that's basically what this show is there's something about ninja scrolls and lots of groping in boobs and skirts. (laughs) Oh, lots lots and lots and lots and lots of bikinis. Mm. Yeah. Because that is the health bar for these ninja are their clothes. And I feel like that is a stroke of brilliance in this show that is otherwise like I really did have so much trouble like focusing on this show because it was just like, oh my God, that's just so much boob like i can't even see what's going on i'm trying to read the subtitles you know i'm here for the subtitles and the boobs are like <laughs> juggling between okay. them. Just swaying all over the place and <laughs> inappropriate <laughs> camera angles i don't think that is the stroke of brilliance yes no. obviously your health bar being reflected by how much clothing and the armor remains on you is there. I think the stroke of brilliance is that when they go into a power up mode, wherein, uh, you know, they're in a death <laughs> duel, then yeah. it's just straight bikini, nothing else, no semblance of armor. And that's so that their power and maneuverability go up along with their bikini technology. Yeah, see, Goku <clears throat> powers up by, like, screaming, and then the rocks around him start breaking. These people power up by saying something in a very high-pitched voice, and then their clothes just fly off. They don't even do... I don't even think they really do the the tra- de-transformation. Like, they have the tra- the magical girl transformation thing in this show. But, like, right. they don't do, like, a different one. Their clothes just kind of fly off. It, well, it's interesting because they're always in a school uniform to start with and regular panties, yeah. probably some sort of shimapan that you've already seen two or three times in that episode already. Yeah. And they transform. But the first thing that they do before they transform is are wearing a bikini. So they yeah. don't do like the glowy naked silhouetting. It's mm-hmm. they no longer have regular underwear. They now have the bikini and then they yeah. have something over the bikini but it's usually 
for some characters, barely less revealing than the bikini. Yeah. So uh, it's just fun time. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Is there any not fan service in this anime? Mm, not off the top of my head. So I, I think we've got a pretty good idea of what the quote-unquote <clears throat> story of this series is. Yeah. So let's go ahead. Well, let's describe the aesthetic. Well, I need to. I want to know. You during the last few minutes, you guys were talking about you know little bits of little strokes of genius along the way. Sure. I'm kind of curious. Was there anything in the first episode, and we're limiting limiting this to the first one or two episodes? Was there anything in those first episodes that gave you hope? that this was not going to be just boobs jiggling for the next 12 episodes with a semblance of plot. Was there anything that gave you hope that there would be substance to this? You want to go ahead, CT? Uh, I wasn't going to override the opinion, but no, literally nothing. I... Uh... <laughs> I watched half of the first episode and with a heavy sigh kept pushing it off and pushing it off and <laughs> slogging through a tiny bit more than pushing it off and pushing it off. I marathoned this thing because I pushed it off too far. Yeah. <laughs> I had to marathon. 11 and a half episodes of Senran Kagura so that I could talk about it. And whoo boy. Let nobody say you are not a consummate professional. Yes! I take this guy very seriously. Uh, you know, I, I think alright. There was enough like the characters got along well enough that I was like, I can see this going in a direction like that. That is entertaining. They did also have the most variety of like boob gags and stuff, I think in the first episode. Mm -hmm. So like I was already like, I spent most of the first app episode kind of like chuckling a little bit at that stuff. And it was starting to wear off towards the, end of the first episode <laughs> um but yeah so like i felt like there was i did have some hope and then you know probably by like the third episode i was like oh boy which is which is weird because uh, flash forward like the last few episodes i actually found somewhat entertaining in just like the mythos and actual characters because <laughs> it it does kind of like stop just constantly going for the boob stuff like there's lots of people in bikinis and whatever but well, by the end they're they're all in their bikinis for the final battle which is how all final battles should be to be yes <laughs> if uh speed runs of dark souls have taught us anything <laughs> that is definitely it the the other problem for me is it was immediately apparent that it was just going to lead into every tiresome shonen trope 
that they could possibly cram in every every shonen battle trope and everything there my only hope was that you know the ninja stuff could be flashy or interesting enough and it it rarely peaked out from there but uh to me my uh it it was not just the overload of uh you know i appreciate a good gynax bounce i was there at the nascent beginning of Gynax bounciness, there were good things to be have, but not strange. Just the requirement that every time a character shift position or point at a thing or nod slightly too vigorously, <laughs> the the boobs gotta bounce poorly, very badly, like. I don't know if there was a third as much, but they added quality to it. Then, then maybe that would have been something more. But uh, honestly, it was getting creepy. <laughs> just, just it was getting creepy. It didn't the amount, there. the amount of it, and the lack of fidelity of it. <laughs> it, it was some kind of uh, uncanny valley of implied sexiness that made it, uh, it, it just creepy. <laughs> so, so, so what about you LB with uh, the first couple? So I, I'm, I got my start as a reviewer. So I've watched a lot of bad anime over the years. And the thing is with watching bad anime is that you have to remember that no matter what you're watching, whatever you're watching is somebody's favorite. <laughs> so you have to find you have to find the good. Sometimes you have to dig really, really deep to find it. So, in that case, with that said, I do want to say that in the first episode the whole Kekai zone where they were fighting in this mystical little realm that they were able to channel whenever they felt the need. And also the fact that they were ninja with magical girl transformations. That amused me. It didn't amuse me a lot. <laughs> it amused me. I And I was like, okay, you know, I can be kind of here for this. You know, that is at least amusing to me. Um, I would also like it to be said that even though this ignoring the unnatural boob physics, ignoring that, if you look at like the fight sequences and everything and just general, in general flow of things, the animation from Artland wasn't that terrible i mean yeah the unnatural boob physics were distracting beyond distracting but i mean like the overall product the animation wasn't that bad you have to give them at least that much sure i think the animation was good for what it was doing right like yes yes i i don't you know it's it's not supposed to be ridiculously realistic or anything like that like it is doing a thing and i think it does it well i mean the again 
boob physics aside. Uh, <laughs> yes. Cause, do we like, do we know if they were the ones doing the animation sequences in the games or I would have to double check that. But I, I will say, like personally, having watched twelve episodes of this, it's like the way everything is designed, I, I you gotta give them credit too for like thinking it's all funny, right? Like they're not just being creepy for the sake of being creepy. They think it's all absurd and they are leaning into the absurdity and trying to be funny with it. And I think they, they managed to get somehow get 12 episodes out of a very narrow comedic like <laughs> space. Oh, but there's a good uh, half yes. dozen OVAs and <laughs> well, more yes, seasons of this. They stretch a lot more. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, I did. I did go into this having watched some gameplay, and I'd seen a bit of it over the years, like some of the other ridiculous things. Uh, uh, oh, gods! I forget the name of it now. Oni Chanbara, yeah, which is that ridiculous, glammed up gals killing zombies uh, game. So you know, just just we <coughs> weird schlock anime boob action titles. I have seen, I have witnessed, I know what they're doing. The e, e, While you're saying that they're, you know, having their zones and stuff like that, I'm just like, well, that's the translated game mechanic so that you can do the wandering around the map and then Final Fantasy yeah. summon your, uh, your battlefield so you can fight a whole bunch of faceless minions for a good long time until you get to the to the mid boss or the boss for each level and, and go go from there i'm like it's it's a uh, very video gamey mm -hmm. not shocking <laughs> uh but so yeah i mean the the animation overall is perfectly serviceable for this mm -hmm. uh they have some cute like actual art splashes between uh between screens i dropped a few in our screenshot span but uh it is not a high bar <laughs> so we've uh, we've talked about the good in this series <laughs> and honestly there's not a whole lot there to discuss so I think really the only logical thing for us to do at this point is to just take it as it is and determine which aspect of this series turned you off the most. Like, was it the writing? Was it the lack of plot? Was it the boob physics? What turned you off the most that made you... that kept you from almost being able to hit the next episode button i'd say there there are two things that really got me um one was that literally every single fight scene had to go to that like death match phase with like full on whatever and you know one hit will kill you kind of thing i'm like Yes, I get it. We don't. Every fight does not have to be this, you know. It, <laughs> it's a little bit much. There's like it's it's just like a, a 
pacing, you know, like a little bit more pacing and, you know, every fight doesn't have to do that. Uh, the other one is um, I cannot remember any of their names, um, but uh, the one, the boob grabber, um, her, That's her the outfit she transforms into, <laughs> I just can't stand it. It's so bad. Even, every part of it, right? Like the way the shirt just like falls in some ways, very impressive the way the different ways they managed to get that shirt to fall that it's like not actually revealing any nipple like they do a pretty good job and with the tie <laughs> but like there's man, so much volume like, of breast in this and the zero so volume much. of nipple it, it, it that's probably yeah. the most skill they had involved was hiding yeah. those but i but, i hated that outfit just, so just much. just to describe uh, further, the the character being described is Katsuragi. She's a third year. She's a senior. She's kind of she comes across as the blonde Yankee. Uh, uh, she's got the yes. toughest voice and the roughest personality, and she's the strong one and doesn't really wield a weapon. She's the brawler. Uh, so when she transforms. Basically, she transforms and loses. Uh, she's still wearing her school blazer, but loses everything underneath it. So it's just like it's torn open, <laughs> yeah. exposing literally everything underneath and staying like glued to barely covering nipple level. I'm and sure that listeners will be shocked to know that she was not wearing a bra underneath <laughs> right no no undershirt no bra no nothing and then instead of you know floppy socks going all kogal like uh she's just got these big pseudo medley kicky boots kind of thing yeah <laughs> yeah she's got like mega man boots yeah, but she doesn't use them to fly around. They, she just no. has normal jumping skills, and these don't get in the way of that. It's just there to, you know, make for super kicks and stuff yeah. like that. And that's that's what she does. And she yeah. gets to fight the dark version of the person who is the brawler and literally wears like a, a professional wrestling uh, uniform when she yeah. transforms. It's uh, great so all right ct how about you what was what was the so question what, uh, oh. what prime what were the primary things that turned you off about this series what what was the main things that made it difficult to hit the next episode button i'm i mean we've already talked about the oppressive poor level of fan service conveyance in here and it's uh -huh. the kind of thing where i'm like if if you're gonna go to this ridiculous degree and yes obviously it was knowing uh it was ironically used a lot of the time it was tongue-in-cheek but it wasn't done like in an interesting fashion the way something like say keijo is obviously self-aware but they like built the plot around it and somehow it was so far over the top as to become boring 
and other things became interesting through it. But that's such an easy answer that I don't want to give it time, because uh, okay, it it it's obviously the the biggest presence. I think a lot of it just comes down to trying to wedge in those tropey moments of okay here here's a character thing and the development thing and it's a thing for this one episode and then it's forgotten about again like Asuka our main protagonist being afraid of frogs and then uh Ikaruga the uh the the leader of the bunch tricks her into saving a frog to get over her thing and now she can summon her spirit animal frog thing I'm like literally doesn't show up again <laughs> I guess she she gets her twin slash, but you barely recognize that there was somehow a frog element tied to this. Yeah. Meanwhile, everyone else gets a super animal that does crazy stuff, like a giant tripping squid. Yes, the rat. That is the only good thing about Hibari. Yeah. <laughs> her fluffy rabbit. It, it makes me think a bit of the uh, the idiot rabbits from uh, Witchcraft Worms. But uh, very, very entertaining. Uh, and then you get the the baddies who have their thing, and it's it feels like they're just picking and choosing from a couple of the games. And I don't know how long these games run for. I'm guessing they probably ultimately have more content than this implied by it, because it's. They can do a lot more conveyance just with uh, screenshots and, you know, chucking a lot of text out there and uh, doing doing a crazy thing. But it, it feels like they're just grabbing elements and like, oh, yeah, this is for this character and this is for this character. And, and they're they're just tossing it in there and it'll either get forgotten or it's like and and therefore you care about that character right and the 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 bad character who wanted to uh uh you know potential who has no problems killing anyone that gets in their way well they had a sad time back here and therefore they're not really evil and therefore you can root for them by the end uh but you you kind of have this with all of the characters but it's it's such shallow undeveloped stuff both for our protagonist squad and our antagonist squad the only one that i kind of like is rins because she has a through line from a lot of episodes right when they go to that secret island she gets more but then she doesn't really get the payoff at the end either it's it's just very simple uh, but but each one of them, it's like, okay, we did our due diligence with that character. We told the thing about them. On to the next one. I'm like, ah! Yeah, I think, I think it was like an episode where they did the backstories for all of the antagonist ninjas. And there's like, I don't know, five or six of them or something. Well, that that's one of those shonen tropes when they start into the... The quasi tournament arc of each of them yeah. fighting them in a row and having to do it. That's where when they when they're in the middle of fighting, then you get the uh, 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 the oh man, here was the bad thing that they had, and that's why they joined the dark. The and flashback. then 
it it all right. Uh, Yomi, the uh, bean sprout girl, who was probably best girl overall. She was very concerned with bean sprouts and uh, <laughs> the the nouveau reach and the uh, uh, the expense of bean sprouts. I believe the message was most fully conveyed through yeah. Yomi here. Uh, but it's like, oh no! Now I learned about you, and you had you were adopted, and now I can't hate you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but all of their stuff was in in service of Hibari telling them, oh no, they can be killed at any moment by the actual bad guy. Let's right. save them. I didn't know this came from a video game. I assumed that it went the other direction because. I don't know, maybe it's just exposure to Western games where that's usually the direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I so I, I didn't know that. And so like the last two episodes of the show of the 12 episode season or whatever. Right. Is yeah. basically just the end of the game boss rush. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a it's the climbing the tower to defeat yeah. the, the big bad. I'm curious. I did want to look up a bit more and see, like, was this simply the plot of the first game made manifest? Which I feel probably, because I think some of the immediate next ones have uh, Homura and the the Serpent Academy girls, the antagonist squad, become their own heroes of later versions of... Uh, of Senran and Kagura, so I figure they had to be established in the first game mm. so that they could carry next ones. But I'm I'm not sure. I, I did not do that much research. So what uh what what about you, LB? But in the end, I think you mentioned uh, you had four more to go to finish off today to polish it off, and Brand basically yeah. said, "Do you, do you really have to? Yeah, what?" What was keeping you and and what allowed you to to go through? What was the biggest uh, uh, speed bump to fight through? The the, the oh, most powerful ninja barrier that you had to literally charge through and lose life force to uh, to finish this off. Uh, for me, it was the bits with the entire series was guilty <laughs> of lazy writing. That was not a secret. But when they had the super lazy writing, that's when I had major issues. Like their secret like their secret item being literally called the super secret ninja art scroll. <laughs> that But it was super that, secret. It was an extra yeah, level of secret. Yeah, that right there was really bad. And then I really, really disliked that our heroes were referred to as good ninja and yeah. the bad guys were referred to as evil ninja. I, and think it's they like, were, I thought there were like, more really? often... This, these are the adjectives we're going with. Yeah. Were, how often were they called that as opposed to light and dark? Because I thought light and dark were used... More, but actually, that brings us to it. Did you watch this dubbed or subbed? Uh, subbed. Okay. I couldn't find the dubbed. Me either. Uh, well, yeah. I suppose I know it exists, but yeah, if it's yeah, not on, I if it wasn't sure sitting it... on Funimation, then you'd have to pirate it from somewhere. 
Yeah, I thought for sure that the that the dub was available on Funimation, which was think. partially the reason why I didn't like back out of this series like <laughs> almost right away because I thought that I was going to be able to watch it dubbed. But and then by the time I realized that it was only sub only, it was just like, oh, okay, fine. I thought they used light and dark more than good and evil, but obviously those blur into each other. Yeah. And of course, yeah, in the I end, did... the lesson to be learned was that, you know, light and, and dark are not explicitly good uh, all the way and evil all the way. They're, they're, they, there is a balance between them and uh, so, baby's I... first morality. <laughs> So, I, if you, there are a lot of things about this series that could be made better. So, let's play a hypothetical, and we're going to start with CT this time. If you could choose one thing about this series to improve on, just one, what what would you choose to make the series better? If you could fix one thing to make it better. Uh, again, the elephant in the room is to probably make the, the fan service less insane. And maybe <laughs> maybe that would be not so off-putting. But you, you could still lead into it hard because that's what the games are all about as well. But you can make it not quite so crazy. Again, that's the that's the easy answer. It would be something like, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, make, <laughs> make the bouncing twenty five to to thirty three percent of what it is, rather than as much as they go, and increase the quality of it. Release the animators from the boob jiggle mines. <laughs> um. Give, say, one character a prominent panty-exposing, arousing shot in, in an episode, in a thing, rather than all five of them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, again, it's, it seems like such a mammoth thing. I think the only thing that I could suggest improving would be to give them a better to give them an actual through line which would mean to fix Suzune sensei and Rin and what she has to do because she's implied uh, with the super completely not lazy writing of wanting to be a super ninja (laughs) yeah Uh, yes drawing that on a raptor She's implied, she's given stuff, but I know, I mean, we know what's going on from the beginning, and you probably couldn't hide it, but the main thing would be to improve her storyline a bit and figure out more of a purpose for it. She kind of declares at the end that there was a problem with the way the light did it, so therefore the dark was more powerful, but oh no, did I do it wrong? But... In the end, she still trained a bunch of uh, uh, shinobi who cared about each other in a learning-to-be-like-family way that 
is supposed to pay off at the end. I feel like if that was more aimed as Rin's objective and that what she was trying to build a point around were the flaws in the light side of the force here. Like, oh, you failed in a mission and now you have to kill yourself in retribution, which is what happened to Katsuragi's parents, except they ran away instead. And that That's her driving force. She wants to be a great ninja because her parents screwed up a mission and therefore had to die. And I'm like, what? I know that the whole Daimyo era of Japan <laughs> was filled with an awful lot of gutting yourself uh, for for honor here, but th- this is a more modern thing. And maybe maybe if you're calling yourself light, uh, which means only individuals with a clean record, that kind of thing is weird, as in they can't have killed someone, except you're expected to kill people who fail in a mission. I'm like... Wait a minute. If they firmed around that and gave Rin kind of a through line of being your enemy, but really what she's doing is challenging the system in a way using girls who were not, were who were, could be good shinobi, but wouldn't be accepted at the Hanzo Academy with the Light faction because of who they are. You, you could have paid something off with that by the end. But they they didn't decide to do that. That'd be my single change, though. Yeah, I think I think I would shift the balance of boobage uh, <laughs> against the story. Basically, like I think there's bones here that can be used to make a show that it's not maybe not going to be a great great show but like it's totally totally fine and like popcorny and and actually corny you know like i i thought some of the corny stuff was fine and like kind of enjoyable and the characters kind of you know they bounced off each other all right and like out of bounds. The the background shinobi stuff, like yeah, I mean, did they super super simplify it with like, you know, good and evil ninjas and stuff like that? Sure. But like, you know, there's even a part where they're like, Yeah, we take in all of the people that you good ninjas kick out, <laughs> basically, and we mm-hmm. give them a home. And because that's what that's what evil ninjas do. You know, and it's like, you know what, there's there's like something there that like you can kind of work with. I think like if you actually gave yourself the room to work with it and yeah, I would ease off of the boobage a little bit in, in very much the, the way that CT was saying of like, you don't need all of it all the time in every episode. Yeah. Focus on a character, you know, and like, yeah, maybe there's periphery peripheral stuff going on, but like mostly, yeah. Like, you don't need every episode to have all of them in their underwear mm. every single time. <laughs> it's just too much. It just it doesn't go anywhere. Ah, uh, yes, I, I would also agree. Sorry, there are a bunch of pictures popping up in my Discord now. And yes, <laughs> absolutely wrestling a polar bear. That was great. 
<laughs> they're they're hiking a trip. They they go on a hiking challenge, and it's given a name: Herculean Incitement to Kindle Incredible New Gambits. Yeah, which is great. But yeah, Definitely the lore gonna... type stuff is kind of silly. But like, sure, show me more of the fucking bunny. <laughs> And the squid and, you know, ridiculous stuff like that. Like, go ridiculous in that direction a little bit more and ease off of the ridiculousness of the boobs. <laughs> and I think it could have been a perfectly, I still kind of enjoyed it, but like, I think I enjoyed it despite the fact that it was very lopsided because like the end stuff was totally fine and they weren't obsessively centering boobs all the time and so like i kind of liked that better and i kind of enjoyed the silliness of like the boobage earlier on so like if you just spread both of those out a little bit more make it a little bit more even maybe add a little bit more story and lore type stuff i think it's good see my big thing i think had they done one thing differently, I may have cared about this series a little bit more. And that's that would have been to move those episodes where they reveal all the tragic backstories. If they had moved those to like around the halfway mark or maybe yeah. just a little bit before the halfway mark, maybe I would have cared about these characters a little bit more in time to salvage the series mm. just a little bit it, yeah. there was no way that the series gonna was gonna be 100 percent redeemed no but i think that if they had moved those introduction episodes a little bit closer to the beginning that could have gone a long way towards helping the storytelling out yeah i mean they so the they the good ninjas fight the evil ninjas like three times before the, you know, actual like final battle of the 12 episodes. And it's like uh -huh. the second or third time or whatever, you just don't care because you already know that the good ninja is going to get their ass beat. Uh, the evil ninjas are just going to be like, you know what, but we're not going to kill you because that's not what we're really here for. And we're going to leave. <laughs> and so like, th there's just no stakes because you, you, don't know what the evil ninjas are actually up to, but like it's giving you nothing and the good ninjas are going to lose and you have no reason to care about what this struggle represents because it doesn't represent anything. So like, yeah, if they move that stuff up a little bit, you'd be like, oh, well, OK, I like understand why these evil ninjas are motivated, at least. But, you know, they're just evil ninja. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Excuse me. I have to disagree. The stakes are completely high and incredibly deadly if you are an article of clothing. Yeah. <laughs> possibly, possibly a tree or bamboo grove. There was a good amount of tree and bamboo destruction to show off ninja pages. Uh, <laughs> other. Otherwise, there, I think, was one implied death of a character who you knew 
completely wasn't dead and was instead the primary antagonist. And then possible implied deaths of her and the big bad uh, at the very end, but probably not. You yeah, mean you a... don't believe that she made the ultimate sacrifice to, for the good of the team? I, I mean, she tried to, but that's sort of what she tried to do at another point, and therefore <laughs> someone rescued her. I'm, I'm sure we have not seen the end of Suzune-sensei because uh, she's far too hot. So <laughs> she has boobs. Now that that does glasses. Uh, yes, I'm. I mean, come on. I think that was my favorite part of the show. We could we can reveal our favorite parts of the show, and I think my favorite part of the show was a line of dialogue between uh, Kiria, who is the main teacher of our good girl ninjas. Uh, and Daidoji, who is the largest breasted, somehow, uh, eternal senior. And they're talking about the the Serpent Academy girls. And when, when you're finally getting revealed that Rin probably didn't die in her old uh, uh, mission from here, as like, didn't you notice each of those uh, girls had a more advanced version of, you know, the, the skills that Rin was developing when, when she was a student. Uh, perhaps that's why they made sure that none of them fought me directly so they wouldn't reveal their powers and it would stay a secret. I'm like, okay, well, I, I get it for Hamuda, who is just like, hi, I have sword. So sword skill is fine. The puppeteer one was tied to the portaling and unifying the portaling. And okay, that was the dark magics that she was starting to step into. And maybe, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe, you know, the, the one who's kind of the, uh, the strong assassin type is just like, okay, her style of hand-to-hand -hand combat. But, but wait a minute, what, what about the other two? Yomi was like just giant sword, giant gun. I was like, wait, when was when was Vrin using an umbrella machine gun, flying around on a jet aircraft? Like that was definitely advanced versions of the skills she was developing. I was like, oh, she was a goth lolly gunbrella uh, enthusiast. Hmm. I uh, I just I I took the comment to the logical extremes, and I, I don't think it panned out quite the way they intended. So, I amused myself. If I had to choose a favorite part about this show, I would have to go with the evil ninjas. Not using ninja techniques so much as pulling giant guns out from under their skirts right. and yeah. calling them techniques. <laughs> There's nothing phallic going on there. Mm. Yeah, so that was probably my favorite part is I loved when they would call out, the evil ninjas would call out a brand new technique and suddenly pull out giant 
freaking wrist mounted like guns with massive shells or a giant machine gun out from under the front of their skirt mm-hmm. and it's just like yes okay shinobi techniques so yeah so if i had to choose a favorite part that would probably be it so i think i've got probably two uh one is i can't remember her name the pink one and she's like Hibari. In- and she's in the dungeon with the marionette lady and it's like full on like dominatrix and she <laughs> she just has no idea what the fuck is going on. She has no idea, um, which I thought was pretty funny. She's just like, what? And just trying to look cute. Like, um, I got a kick out of that. Uh, also, uh, Homura's uh, fighting with like while holding like eight katanas <laughs> or something and she's got one between each of her fingers <laughs> like, like claw gripping full size right. no, fucking no dachis <laughs> yeah yeah I'm just like how I, I mean I don't even care like I'm so fascinated by this like please fight with it and she really doesn't right like I was a little bit let down that you don't really get to see her actually do anything with that you know, but yeah, no, that was yeah. great. I love that. So, all right, uh, we've gone on for about an hour. Is there anything that we're missing so far that we want to get into? CT, Brand, do either of you have anything else that we haven't brought up yet? Uh, hmm. There was somebody on Twitter who was like, man, this is my favorite series or something, and I'm so excited, and Whoever you are, you're awesome. <laughs> I, I don't care how much we are like roasting this show. I am so glad that you love this show. It it happens. There, I mean, there's a God super fan of everything. Yeah, yeah, and you know we are not right or anything like that. Screw us. Well, this I mean, is a fun podcast, but like, you do you. I mean, yeah, I'm right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so uh who hasn't, who hasn't loved some kind of like trashy anime among us right like he who is without sin can cast the first stone you know what i mean can bounce the first boob <laughs> yeah but uh yeah i mean we will usually give a quick look in the production end and uh, I think the one thing that I find most interesting, you did mention, you know, that the uh, studio uh, did a good job for what it is. Do you know what uh, studio this was? Artland, who also did uh, Gunslinger Girl Season 2. And you know what else they did? Mushishi. What? The last yeah. damn thing that we, that we watched. I'm like, I know the similarities. Are, well, it's funny because you, you were you. Uh, there was a joke cracked earlier about like, well, I don't know if we summed up the plot so much as the aesthetic. And I was like, I, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, when we watched uh, Mushishi, like aesthetic was definitely an important part of like, <laughs> the whole the plot and all that like stuff. Like ninety eight percent aesthetic almost. <laughs> but uh 
Yeah, so, you know, Artland, so we probably talked about them a bit. Uh, I mean, they they did a bunch of, they're a weird studio, because they did a bunch of stuff real early on that were kind of huge, like Super Dimensional Fortress, Macross, Megazone 2-3, uh, Parts 1 and 2. They did a bunch of Legend of Galactic Heroes, a bunch of formative stuff and powerful stuff. And then... I don't know what happened. At some point over time, they just did a lot of other things, and it's like other things in the neighborhood of Senran Kagura. <clears throat> and the uh, the director sort of came from uh, Lost Universe and Slayers. Uh, he also did all of uh, Shakugan no Shana. And uh, things that make sense, like Ikitosen or Taboo Tattoo. And I'm like, okay, got a bit of a type. The uh, the music, sadly, wasn't anything to write home about. No, not really. Yeah. But uh, this, I think it's the same uh, composer who does the, the games and all of the anime. So the next thing we're doing is Hyperdimension Neptunia, right? Yes. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's all video game adaptations from here on in. Yep. And uh, I guess we can we can lead into the announcement if you want to make it of the next thing that we are covering. Which Yeah, so we did decide on this. A video game adaptation. Or at least a visual novel one that, if you count that, it's a video game. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So the next series that we've decided on, we have decided that we're going to break the two core in one month barrier. And we are going to talk about Steinsgate up next. I don't know when we're going to get to this one. Maybe within the next month, maybe within the next two months, but... We're definitely going to, to be doing Steinsgate, the complete series, start to finish for our next episode. So please look forward to that. I think we decided within, like, before the first episode of this landed that it's like, okay, let's do a lot of one-core stuff. How do we introduce them to two-core? It's like, well, Steinsgate. <laughs> so I think that's been in the back of our mind for... Uh, for a while now and i'm glad we get to roll it out yes indeed so all right let's go ahead and let's wrap things up on that note i'd like to thank ct for and brand for joining me for another fun discussion yeah thanks that was fun it, <laughs> it was a unique time it was uh <laughs> it was cathartic, cathartic. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes one, one month. And thank you to all of you for listening to us roast this show for the last hour or so. Please remember to give us a like, share, and subscribe if you enjoyed what you heard. And otherwise, we will talk to you all again very soon. Have a good night, everybody. Good night, folks. Bye.